about uh, Matthew Lamar tonight. Um, joined by three regulars. You guys should all be well familiar with them. Uh, first off is uh, Josh Dugan. Uh, Josh, how are you? I'm well. Good, good. Uh, our overlord, editor-in-chief, uh, the boss, uh, Max Reaper, joins us as well. Max? Yeah, how's it going, Sean? Hey. And then uh, finally, <clears throat> uh, the other Josh, uh, Josh Ward, J.K. Ward. Josh, how are you tonight? I'm doing very well, thank you. Cool, good, good. Um, been, a, <clears throat> I think, a couple weeks since we last podcasted. Definitely some stuff happened. Usually it's slow in the off season, but we had some moves. Uh, first one, kind of the, the biggest one so far, and maybe perhaps the biggest move of the off season for the Royals could be, um, the way things have kind of been going. Joaquin Soria, the executioner who doesn't want to be called the executioner, uh, is coming back to Kansas City. Uh, terms were three years, $25 million. Uh, or 435, it's something in that range, but he had incentives. Uh, before getting into the incentives and everything, what are you guys thinking about just the deal overall? Uh, I'll, I'll go. Anybody. <laughs> so, uh, in a vacuum, I don't think the value is terrible. It's not great, but like it's not a horrible deal in and of itself. But given the budgetary constraints that the Royals are dealing with, apparently... It's really hard to see why allocating this kind of money to the bullpen is necessary. I mean, they lost, you know, they lost Holland, they lost Madsen, they lost likely Morales, but it's really hard to wrap your head around them spending that much, that much future money yeah. on Soria. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I echo that. I mean, like, you know, the one thing I've kind of praised Dayton more about ever since he almost his first year really is that he's been able to put together a pretty good bullpen usually on the cheap you know ever since he got here and he is now i mean it's gotten pricey now the way davis making quite a bit of money and greg holland making more money but um you know he's able to he's been able to find guys off the scrap heap and, and get pretty good use out of them guys like ryan madsen last year and i think i saw on twitter someone mentioned that to like jeffrey flanagan or sam Ellinger or someone like that and and the response was, well, you know, we're contending now. We can't take gambles like that. Let's, but, you know, it's like, well, we have limited resources. We have probably a $120 million payroll next year and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of ways we've got to spread that out. So if you're going to take a gamble, I'd much rather be the bullpen than, say, left field or right field where it's a player that's playing every day. And if you miss on that gamble, that's hurting your lineup every single day. So, you know, I, I, I agree. I think it's decent value i don't you know this this is a inflated market for relievers so where got pretty much market value if not you know maybe a little less than what he should have gotten but you know when you're talking about a team that sounds like they're kind of you know pinching pennies um i don't know if spending seven eight million dollars on a reliever is really the best use when they have such a deep reliever and and a, and a gm that frankly can find guys that um are able to be successful in the pen I love it. I mean, I, I know I, I, for all, all of the reasons that you guys stated, there's reasons to not like the signing at all, but uh, it really, I mean, if the Royals are done spending money, then the season was probably <laughs> going to be pretty rough to begin with, at least, at least in terms of what you might expect versus what would have happened if they had bothered, you know, to actually increase payroll and try to keep winning games you know, consistently over the next two seasons. Um, so if this is it, then yeah, I mean, it's a problem. But it, 
if this was as as high as their payroll was going to go anyway, it was going to be a problem, regardless of where that money got spent, because it's very limited. So, in that sense, I'm happy that it's going to Soria, because uh, I love the guy. I loved watching him pitch. He's still pretty good, outside of, you know, the 18 months he spent in Detroit, which were god-awful, for whatever reason. I mean, spending 18 months in Detroit is probably pretty god-awful um, for anybody, but uh, so yeah. I mean, I I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's what he was in um, 2008, 2009, 2010, but uh, I, I think he's still a very effective reliever, and is getting paid roughly what the market says his value is. Um, and so I'm fine with that because that's what you're supposed to do when you're competing. But you're also supposed to go the next step and continue to give out money to players to keep the team at a competitive level. And I think that's the part that's frustrating, more than the Soria signing, is the idea that now they're not going to sign anybody else because they seem to be talking that way. And that's really what I think we should be focusing on, is the fact that the Royals are still talking like their payroll can only be sustainable at 115, 120 million when that's what it was, that's what it started last year and ended up somewhere around 121, I think. Yeah. And, uh, that's before they won the World Series and well, made another I, playoff run. And I do think there's gamesmanship going on there. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Because they've yeah. done it for years now. They've done it for four years where, oh, they're going to only pay X amount and then they exceed that by $15 million. Didn't they say last year that they were, no, yeah. the payroll was going to yeah. be 95 or something like that, $100 million, and ended up being about 112 by the time opening day rolled around? So. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm well aware of that. I mean, I wrote a... Fairly, fairly scathing article about David Glass several years ago doing the same thing when he was, you know, I only want to break even and, like, willing to take a loss and blah, 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 and how it didn't add up because you looked at the payrolls the Royals had had over the last four seasons where they jumped from something like $38 million to $80 million to $67 million. Yet Dayton, or David Glass was claiming that he was breaking even on all of those years, which doesn't make any sense because of how disparate the value of money was and what they're spending it on. So I understand that's what they're doing, um, but if this is it, then that's a problem, regardless of whether or not it goes to Soria or some other, you know, left fielder. Well, I think it's more who's like engaging in the gamesmanship. I think he's just trying to set the bar low, you know. So then anything pass out is like, oh, look at all this money that the owner's given us now. Like, I, I really think it's more just sort of like, you know, playing up. Oh, we're going to be dealing with this this little amount of money because it makes the own, it makes his boss look better. Maybe it's also a way to motivate people to buy season tickets. <laughs> hey, we you know we're only going to have a you know. $115 million payroll next year. Unless you re-up on your season tickets right now, which are on sale right now at caseyroyals.com. Max, what, what do you think about the deal? What do you think about the Soria signing? Maxwell? Oh, I, you know, I, I kind of like I said before, you know, I think it's you know a good value deal, but it's just, uh, I, you know, I don't like the resources being spent in that way. 
you know, what it, what it is interesting, though, is that Josh kind of mentioned it. It's like he, he's, he seems like he's kind of back. I mean, his fastball is actually – he throws harder yeah, way than, higher, he did, like than he did in Kansas City. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I know there's been some research about guys with Tommy John surgery throwing harder. But, I mean, he's had two of them now. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys – I mean, he's still pretty big injury risk, right? I mean, he's only 31, yeah. but with that kind of medical record, I, I, I'm still a little – kind of wary of what, what he's going to provide. What's the best predictor of future injury? Uh, uh, previous injury. Past injury, exactly. Mm-hmm. He, this guy's had two major past major past injuries. Uh, I hate the story of signing. I, I know that's the trope kind of around me to be the guy who hates things, but <laughs> I hate the story of signing. I absolutely hate it. Well, one of the injuries was like a decade ago, though. <laughs> I'm just saying it really was. Like one of the de- one of the injuries was, what, in 2006? <laughs> Right, and that's fine. Uh, yeah, oh five, oh six was one of those years. Yeah, uh, it would have been oh five. Yeah, hmm. right. But then the other one was no, what? it would have been oh six because he was taken in the rule five before oh seven. Hmm. The other one was what? Two years ago? Three years ago? Um, it was. Uh, he it missed been... the twenty twelve season. Okay. Yeah, so it would have been. It'll be four years ago when it hmm. when the season starts. Yeah, I don't know. I just you guys are right. I think resources are. I think well, Ward, you said it. Uh, resources could have been sp- spent, hopefully, efficiently elsewhere, especially when I think that Darren O'Day um, got the exact same amount, and he's better than um, Soria, in my opinion. Well, he, he, got, got, he got an extra year, though. Four years and 31, I think it was. Right. Well, I'm sorry. So Soria got a higher AAV, um, yet he's not as good as O'Day, I don't think. That, that was what I was thinking. Um, I think his upside's higher than O'Day, but that's just me. Because I mean, O'Day is just like, oh, here's submarine ground ball machine guy. <laughs> but it's still wild to me. He was like, what, let go? What, just two or three years ago? I mean, just put yeah. on waivers. I mean, and now he's a highly coveted free agent. To... Do, do you guys make anything of the incentive clause in Soria's contract about games started? Yeah, that's what eh, I was going to bring up. I don't it's think the so. same bullshit the Royals have been. <laughs> it's this dumb, dumb starting pitching dance. That they've been doing for what since two thousand seven, basically. Yeah. Remember that time he threw the no hitter in Mexico? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> right it was huge. I believe it was a perfect game. Perfect game, right? Nobody, nobody's ever mentioned that. That's never brought up when it comes to story about him starting. Yeah, I think that's crazy. I, I, I can't imagine he's going to get a start. That's I not- mean, eight, nine years ago, he threw a perfect game in non-affiliated ball. Right. Unaffiliated, unaffiliated ball. And Philip Umber threw a perfect game in the MLB, and he can't find a contract. So wait, Humber just threw a no hitter, I think. Oh, was it? Okay, well, very, I think he very good like game. two or something. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, I, that's crazy. The games, the games finished makes sense, but the game started is outrageous or hilarious. Yeah, depending what on do you how think you Soria thinks? Like, what well, if I'm a player and if I was Soria and Dayton said, "Hey, we're going to give you two million if you start a game," it's like. Okay, sure, I'll take it, but it's like, come on, put that money somewhere. Give me that money, or give me half that money guaranteed rather than this incentive that I'm never going to hit. Ah, uh, damn it. Humber did have a perfect game. Hmm. It, I'm, okay with, I'm okay with being wrong about Philip Humber. No, no, you got it. You, I was wrong. Oh, no, I'm saying I, don't, I, I could be wrong or right about Philip Humber. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It seems kind of crazy, though. Max, what do you think? I mean, I don't know. He's probably not going to start a game, right? No, I think I think you're right. It's, it seems I think Luke H- Hochaver had a similar clause in his contract, and I can't really see him yeah. starting either. I mean, both of them are coming off surgery, so 
I guess it's just something to negotiate to say, so the agent can say, we've got a deal that could be worth up to $46 million, but most likely he won't reach a lot of those incentives or, yeah. or the option year. So good for his agent, I guess. But Yeah. Um, the other signing, or, yeah, the other signing, the second biggest signing of the year so far, um, Chris Young is also going to be returning to the Royals. Um, successful rebound candidate. Good, good overall story. You know, you're happy for the guy. Young got, I want to say, what did we decide on? Two, essentially two, eleven and a half. You know, with the the buyout, um, the one and a half million dollar buyout in 2018. Um, you guys happy to have him back for basically sub five million uh, for next year? At, you know, this year and kind of next year, or uh, what is the kind of future plans with him? I always like to point out that Josh Dugan was the first one to kind of identify Chris Young as a potential Royals target in this shadow, the Shadow Royals yeah. uh, off-season simulation. So uh, I, I, I kind of like the deal. I mean, I think I think he's a perfectly acceptable kind of sixth starter, a guy that can fill in and give you 20 starts this year, pitch out of the bullpen if needed, uh, kind of serve all whole, whole sorts of whole bunch of roles for the team. And the money is is uh, you know a two-year deal is probably. An extra year that I would you know, prefer. I'd prefer to stick to a one-year deal, but it's not a terrible contract. I don't think. I don't think we'll be, you know, eating a ton of money on that when it's all said and done. So, yeah, crippling. I'm, you know, I'm okay with. I'm okay, I'm okay with adding the depth. Josh's. Uh, so I obviously think his skill set's vastly underrated, and it's like easy to overlook because of its like, <laughs> its extremity. On, on like he's so far outside of the yeah. outside of like what's expected like i mean he's he's such an outlier it doesn't there's there's no way to qualify how far outside of the norm he is so like to get him at what 11 and a half would be about you'd have to be getting what a win and a half out of him to be getting your value back, which I think is an easy, yeah. easy, like, yeah, he could do that. I mean, hell, he did it last year, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's you know, not taking into consideration the fact that especially F4 is going to be, is always going to underrate him simply because of his batted ball profile. So, I mean, I, I don't think F4 can possibly tell you who Chris Young is. And yeah. he's, he, I, I, I think he's. It's an easy win. I think it's no problem. Like I have no problems with it. I love the signing. Slam dunk one, huh? Cool for me at least. Yeah. Ward. Yeah, I think it's another. Am I talking? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I couldn't tell if I turned my mic off. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's another one of those signings that. Uh, it it has a lot of good value and it has a lot of potential to be worth um, much more than what is actually being spent on it. Because um, I mean, even even the even even the low side of it, sort of the uh, injury risk for a guy you know who had some back issues last year. Um, it's not it's not particularly worrisome for a guy with his profile because he doesn't necessarily rely on things like velocity uh, to actually accomplish uh, what it is he does on the mound. And uh, I think Dugan's right. Like, I think he had... Or Duggan, sorry. Apologies. No, it's Dugan. You were right the first time. Oh, well, like Duggan said, 
Um, there's a, uh, uh, he has one of the most unique profiles that we've ever seen in baseball, specifically in the modern game, which emphasizes all of the things that Chris Young doesn't do. Um, and I, and I think that is in itself, uh, creates, you know, kind of the uniqueness of what, what he does. And, um, I think Kauffman stadium is well suited to his skill set. Uh, and the idea that you're going to get a win and a half out of Chris Young over two seasons um, just to break even uh, seems relatively easy, presuming he stays healthy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I like the signing a lot um, because he's kind of the perfect sort of swing man for a rotation that has questions and emphasizes bullpen and, and things like that. Uh, and I think I think it's good. I think it's good. Cool. Another guy who signed. Those are you negative negativity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another guy who signed, uh, kind of you know related to the Royals, uh, Ben Zobrist, uh, big time trade target that the Royals acquired in July of uh, this previous season from uh, the Rays. Um, so. Wait, yes, the no the Rays, no Oakland. I don't know why I said the Rays. Um, so he signed with the Cubs, four years, fifty-six million. Uh, was awesome when he was a Royal. Kind of the question here, you know, obviously Zobrist would be a good guy to have back. Should we care, or do you guys care, or upset about the fact that when you think about it, basically, if you combine the salaries of Soria and Young, you basically have bought Ben Zobrist as far as on an AAV value. He got 456. He got 10 million this year. I say this year is in 2016. Uh, 16, 16, 12. So not crazy, you know, unaffordable. Um, but you know, essentially that's Chris Young and Soria combined. You know, give or take another million or two. Would you guys have rather spent the money on Zobrist if he was willing to sign, or are we okay with filling the two holes with that money? Well, not actually filling the holes, but you know, those guys with that money. I'd have gone with Zobrist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the idea is sound. I mean, obviously, Zobrist was, is likely to bring more value uh, back than Soria and Young put together. Um, but a lot of the indications that I've received is that Ben Zobrist wanted to be in Chicago and <clears throat> wanted to be with Joe Madden and the Cubs. He took a discount. Uh, to and, go to yeah, and took a discount to go there. So huh. even if... But took a, took a discount from... Took a discount in relation to the other offer that was on the table. Not that it was the Royals. Yeah, the other right, offer. right. Who knows what the Royals? I mean, they probably would. If like, was, if the Royals match that, does he not go there? I mean, he's known. He has known Yost longer than he's known Joe Madden. Mm. And presumably, the comfort is in that. Oh, I played for Joe Madden a lot, but like, yeah, I, I think if the like if the Royals matched it dollar for dollar, I still think he probably goes to Chicago. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and us included, we kind of see the Royals as this kind of budding franchise, but I think the Cubs are much more of that kind of budding franchise, you know, as far as an yeah. attraction target than the Royals are. I know they right. just won the World Series, but the outlook, the long-term outlook for the Cubs is a little better, I would say, than, than uh, the Yeah, Royals. no, the Cubs and Astros are the two, ty- two teams best set up for, you know, the S- future. Sustained success over yeah. the next half decade. Yeah. And it's also kind of an attractive franchise. I mean, it's, it's a city that has more amenities. Yeah. It's got, I mean, to be part of the first Cubs World Series champion in you know 100 years would be 
Like, you saw how big our parade was. They're gonna, theirs is going to be ten times bigger. So. Yeah. And yeah, he, I, uh, I understand the appeal. In his contract, but he's deep got, dish is an abomination. It is. It's not deep a dish is not a pizza. It's a cat. Chicago deep dish is an abomination. Man, I really love deep dish pizza. Thanks, guys. Well, you love marinara casserole. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do. I could agree to that. One thing too is he got in his deal. He got a uh, full no trade clause for the first three years. Um, hmm. Maybe right. that's something so, the Royals yeah. weren't willing to offer. You know, there are other teams weren't willing to offer because that's effectively several. You know, million. Well, he lost some money on doing that, so maybe you know he was asking for fourteen million a year, or you know, give or take, and instead yeah. he took a dis- bit of a discount for the full load trade clause. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, I assume the discount that he took is probably in favor of the no trade clause. Yeah, right, right. He would have taken less money. I mean, to get that as much as much as you want to talk about. Joe Madden and the Cubs and blah blah blah. Yeah. Like most players are willing to. I mean, I from what I heard, he had an offer for four for sixty, but took four for fifty six to go to Chicago. Right. And most athletes would trade a million dollars a year for a no trade clause. Yeah. So they, well, um, where was the? I can't remember where was the four and sixty offered from. It was oh was that Washington Washington yeah, I say was, it was, it was Washington or the Mets? No, the Mets. You're right. right. Well, yeah. property taxes are going to be higher, or not property, but income taxes are going to be higher in any three states that he'd be living in than it would be in Illinois, right? Um, right. I, I mean, that's also that's also an un, an uh, underlooked. I mean, that's why Greenkey's getting so much more money with that Arizona yeah. deal than he like. It's more money than it even appears because Arizona's income tax for the highest uh, income tax bracket is uh, yeah, but, is so much lower. It's like four percent. Yeah. So why don't people play in Florida then? Yeah. Uh, they do sometimes. Mark Burley did. Yeah. It's true. They don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in Texas. I mean, people Texas, play. The, yeah, Texas gets yeah, a great. Texas would be one, too. So, so income yeah. tax in Illinois is 3.75. New York, it's 8.82. Right. And Washington is 8.95. So, it's yeah, it's like 5% cheaper to play in Illinois. Right. Or, you mean you've got to look at Virginia or. But it also probably Virginia or uh, or Maryland, I think. For yeah, for well, I think you pay your income tax though where you where you employ though, right? Uh, it's in split DC. though. Like that's why so many New York players play in New Jersey or live in New Jersey. Oh, huh. Because yeah. New Jersey has a lower income tax, lower income tax, so it's like split fifty fifty between mm-hmm. resident state of residence and or some and there's some split between uh. state of residence and state of uh, well and. Yeah, and other other taxes like property tax are lower in Jersey. Yeah, because I've yeah. got eight point nine seven in New Jersey against eight point eight two in New York, so it's pretty close. And like, but Vermont, New York City has a separate income tax. Also. Yeah, right. sure, sure. Like like, uh, like Jackson County has right. a separate tax. Then, but I think in the end, though, Chicago Kansas City Illinois, has a separate tax, and Jackson County issues. Yeah, Illinois is much cheaper. Uh, yes, much cheaper. Yeah, five percent. So, right. and also and just cost, cost of living is lower. Cost of living is lower in Chicago, so. yeah. which is crazy to think of. But yeah. it's lower in Chicago than it is in DC or uh, DC or New York. Yeah. So there's reasons. Yeah. Okay. Sad to see him go, but I'm understandable. He, he's yeah. all about the money. Um, Cost of living is really low in Kansas City, though. Yeah. And they're working on eliminating the income tax in uh, both Kansas and Missouri, so yeah. oh, really? make it, the Royals more competitive. Holy shit! Brownback's really gonna fuck over Kansas, isn't he? <laughs> You know he cut funding to the Kansas Historical Society Museum. I bet he did. He's <laughs> cut, well, but he's cut funding to every single thing in Kansas. True. So. 
True. Well, I don't know. They're really getting rid of income tax. That's kind of nice. It, it, how's that not nice? How's that? For me, it's a good thing. For the government, it's not, though, right? Uh, well, they're, I they're having trouble without finding income revenue. tax for huh. 11 years. It's not that great. Huh. Yeah. Well, yeah There's, because have... infrastructure is awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kansas doesn't have the oil reserves that Texas has, which is why Texas has no income tax. Yeah. So it leads to a bit of a hole in the budget that they're right. trying to hmm. work with right now. So Yeah, Texas gets a lot of money off of uh, import-export kind of stuff. Severance that, taxes as well. Yeah, that Kansas doesn't have access to. Yeah, and you look at it because I think Wyoming is big in oil. They've got nothing. Tennessee has no income tax on. Okay, let's. We don't need to talk about it. This isn't the tax <laughs> podcast. This is a really weird, dry yeah. tangent. So, uh, Alex, yeah, so program. Alex Gordon. Speaking of guys who are talking about money, um, maybe all about that money. Uh, nice Alex segue. Gordon. A lot of rumors flying around. Do you guys care if he goes to the Cardinals? Yes. yes. You guys you legitimately care. <laughs> I'm, I know it's petty, I'm but less yes. impassioned about it. Huh. I still don't want him to go to the Cardinals. I actually would rather him go to the Yankees than go to the Cardinals. I, I, yeah, because yeah, at least we don't have to see Yankee fans all the time. But, well, um, not, very many, not very many of them, anyway. Right. I what hope is, he signs with the Dodgers. Total so scenario. All the time. I would love him to sign with the Dodgers just to see how they're going to figure out that outfield. Between now and opening day, with all the guys that they got shuffling around. Hey, so what if, like, in a total, just alternate, not universe, but what if somehow the T Bones coughed up enough money to sign Gordon? Would you guys be unhappy about that? Or? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> if they took the T Bones. I'm not a T Bones fan, so. Would I be unhappy if they got outbid by. A mid Fort Worth Caps dependent league baseball team, yes. like, yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, unless T Boone Pickens like <laughs> bought, yeah. bought the T Bones yesterday. Wait, where's Luis Mendoza playing? Huh? I'd like to see those two reunited. Japan, Japan, yeah. Yeah. But Joey Gathright played for the T Bones. Sure, but so did Calvin Pickering. Alex Gordon is neither of those guys. So did Kilakai Hui's brother. You guys are all talking about former Royals top prospects, and which Gordon fits that criteria. But didn't I think Alex Gordon's brother played in that league? I think I'm not sure he played for the T Bones. Huh. So well, he uh, was a minor leaguer with the Royals for a brief period of time. Last yeah. year, he was huh. with them last year, I think. Yeah, Brett, he still is. Isn't it Brett Gordon? Mm-hmm. Isn't, isn't it? Yes. Name so a, a cheap ploy by the Royals to get Alex to sign to, to resign here. They were going to sign his brother. Nice. Well, he could he could always be a T Bone. I mean, I think it'd be cool to see him play out at the Legends. No, I mean, there's there's only a couple of things that would. Well, there's only like there's really only one place that would infuriate me if he signed there, and that's St. Louis. Why? Um, because I don't want to have to hear about it all the time. Huh. Like I I work with and go to school with. Even even in Savannah, I have found St. Louis Cardinals fans. And I'd rather not have to talk to them about it. It's not a rational thing either. I, I get it. But oh, yeah, I mean, look, at, look at how the Cardinals fans reacted to Jason Hayward yeah, you guys signing that? with the Cubs. I mean, they uh, did not act rationally at but, all. So why the Royals fans will behave a little bit better? And Hayward that. really needed to be really, really loyal after that year. Yeah, he was there for one year. Yes. <laughs> right. He was in residence for seven months. He should have been swayed by the... Uh, the bet that you know the playing the fan, playing for the best fans in baseball, but oh, uh, they talk about St. Louis pizza should have been a pretty decider. <laughs> Which I agree, there's no such thing as St. Louis pizza. I can get on board with that. 
Yeah, it's called toasted ravioli. Yeah. And it's not very good. So, if, uh, I don't know. So let's say the Royals don't get Gordon. Mm-hmm. I know we've ban- we've bandied about this a ton of times, but what does this offseason look like? And, and here's a quote, and, and I'll bring this up right now, um, which is a good kind of mini segue. So the other day, Dayton was asked by Jeffrey Flanagan uh, of the KC, er, Fox Sports, um, asked about options, kind of are they keeping temperature, keeping check with Alex Gordon, and Dayton said, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know because I don't know what it, the asking price, will ultimately be. We're still in the market for an outfield bat, but we also know this. If we do nothing in the outfield, we'll still be very good defensively at the corner outfield. We'll have speed and upside with Dyson, Orlando, Eibner, Fuentes, and Jose Martinez isn't the defender those guys are, but has offense. We'll see. So let's say April 1st rolls around. Those are the five, you know, those are the outfielders. Mm-hmm. That can't happen, right? There's no goddamn way that happens. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's not. No. It's still posturing. Yeah, and... That's why I'm not completely sold on the idea. I mean, going back to our payroll discussions, like, there's no conceivable way how payroll doesn't exceed what it was last year. Because there's no conceivable way that they actually will have an opening day roster that involves Brett Eibner or Paulo Orlando starting in left field and Gerard Dyson starting in right field. So conceivable or explainable? Because it's conceivable, but it won't—it's probably not explainable. I don't think it's even conceivable. Really? Like, I, okay. I really like in all of the scenarios that you could possibly imagine for the Royals with the money that they have left to spend. I just don't think there's a way they don't spend that. It. This that that this will be that that all of the outfielders will be filled with spots that are already on the forty-man roster. Like, I, yeah, like I think it's more likely that they bring Alex Rios back than it is that they roll with either of those guys. So my thing is, who doesn't want Alex Rios back on another one-year, five million dollar contract? Everybody, just so, one year, five million. I don't. Alex Rios himself, one year, one year, three and a half. Minor league deal. Yeah. Minor league deal or minor league deal with an opt out, but he gets a lot of incentives for major league playing time, like PAs, home runs, whatever. Well, you can't you can't tie it to performance, unfortunately. Yeah, games so you games played or whatever you you're allowed. If it was if it was games not being awful, <laughs> games with a win probability added that's not negative. Yeah, what if they just bought him lunch every day? <laughs> Seems reasonable. He's Seriously, though, money. Alex Rios is going to sign somewhere, right? For a minor, I, yeah. For someone's going to give him a probably for a minor league deal with no. a. No, he'll probably get a big league deal in Arizona. Yeah, he'll get something like that. Definitely. Okay. Max, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, like, so it's, uh, to me it's obviously they're posturing and, you know, they want to create some leverage against Alex Gordon. They, have, they seem to be under some delusion that Alex Gordon may be left without a deal and he'll be forced to come back to the Royals on, like, a really cheap deal, I guess the way Irvin Santana was uh, when he left the Royals. But uh, so they've already kind of said, draw Dyson, you're going to have a bigger role next year. If Alex Gordon resigns and they, you know, maybe they get someone else for right field, are they going to be able to come back to draw dice and say, "Well, sorry, buddy, you're out of a starting job"? Now it seems like a yeah. unnecessarily cruel thing to go to put draw through just because they want to play hardball with Alex Gordon. I think they've looked at the lay of the land and know that they can only afford one full time outfielder and maybe a platoon option for Dyson. 
Like, I, I honestly, I think Dyson will get, you know, like 350 plus PAs next year. Who do you see? Do you think they'll bring in someone from outside the organization or they'll roll with Orlando or Eibner? I mean, it's, it doesn't cost much to get a to get a platoon, a right-handed outfielder. You know, it doesn't cost that much to throw someone in the corner to pair with Dyson. So, I mean, if they're if they're spending that kind of money on the bullpen with Soria, then I wouldn't be surprised if they brought someone in from outside. But they may be willing to go into the, you know, like give Eibner because Eibner and Orlando are both close enough that like. Okay, you know they kind of have to like at least see what Eibner is probably, and if if it doesn't work out, then they can address it relatively early in the season, you know, in the trade market. Yeah, I I, I would kind of agree with you, except that the platooning just doesn't seem to be Ned Yost's mo or the Royals' mo really, and I kind of I don't know I kind of see they have a glut of these kind of AAA outfielders. I I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of them gets kind of shipped for maybe. Someone else is kind of crummy, overpaid outfielder, you know. And that's oh, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with them dealing those guys because I think they're relatively fungible. But especially yeah, but given it, given the it's way, it's gonna be for someone not very good, <laughs> you know. Right. And yeah, I'd almost rather see what Eibner can do than if they brought in like a, you know, I don't know, the next Alex Rios in yeah. to play for that job. Here's a fun experiment. Um, what do you guys think Dyson's F four per six hundred plate appearances is? Did you uh, and his career? Yeah. Uh, it's it's got to be three. Yeah, and I was going to say two and a half, two, three. Uh, no. Lower it's or higher? 4.79. Oh. Now, that is that is inflated because of the base running with the stolen yeah. bases when, you know, he comes when in. He's, he's coming in only bases. as a pinch runner and but even war without a PA. Yeah, but even if you give him, like, a ridiculous, like, 40%, 50%, 60% penalty... Yeah. No, I mean, I really think full-time he's an almost three-win player. Yeah, and so do I. And that's what I'm saying, is even if you give him, a like, a, a huge, like, take away half his value, he still is a two-and-a-half-win player over 600 plate appearances. So it's it's not it's not a terrible idea for Gerard Dyson to be a starter, as, oh, un, as uncommitted to it as the Royals have been. It's... A, t- a hard idea for him to be a starter when Omar Infante is also on the roster because neither of them hit very well. But Dyson is an amazing outfielder, amazing defensively. Um, in a full-time role, he's going to steal at least 50 bags every yeah, season. Yeah, totally. Um, and he gets he he gets on base enough over his career. He has a, a 320 on base. Like, And when that- he gets on base, he's a terror. You know, it's yeah. not it's it's not the same thing. Like he gets on base and it's okay. He's pretty much anytime he gets at first, he's at second. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's of all the sort of small minor machinations that occur in baseball, a pitcher being afraid of a base runner is one of those things that can actually have a tangible effect on what's going on that isn't really measurable by metrics. Yeah, but then there's and, just no way the Royals see him as that kind of value. I mean, it seems like they see him as a bench player who is a pinch runner extraordinaire. But they may be forced to look at him that way. (laughs) And there's also the, you know, there's the, there's the alternate option where they have Gore on the 25 man the whole year as a defensive replacement pinch runner and Dyson's actually playing. 
you know, if they really, really feel like they need to have that, they could conceivably do that in the form of Gorn. I can see the Orlando filling that role too, since he's not really that great of a hitter, and at least he can actually hit better than Gore would. Although he's not, yeah, great, you know, no, he has. Too. I mean, he has he has gap power for real, yeah. right? Yeah, and if Orlando spent the off season, you know, learning how to steal bases because he's quick. I mean, he's very fast. Yeah, but you look and he doesn't get that read that Dyson yeah. does. Right. So if he's, I mean, if he's spending this entire offseason learning how to steal bases, then he would conceivably be that fourth out, that fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder. But I, I don't think they're he, just paying. They're probably paying Dyson this offseason just to like hang out with Gore and teach him everything. <laughs> yeah. You know who projects to have the fifth highest WRC plus for the Royals this year? Jose Martinez. That's <laughs> just barely behind Kane, one hundred two <laughs> against one hundred four, and better yeah. than Perez. You know, doing my or everybody. So I don't know. I kind of like Jose Martinez maybe more than I should. But uh, wait, did you did you hand the phone over to uh, to Casey Stengel Senior? <laughs> well, no, because this is 2015. And I'm on my computer. I, I don't use phones for for this. <laughs> but you say Jose Martinez. He's such a weird player, though, isn't he? He's like he, he's not like a big power hitter. He's not no. a guy that walks a lot. He's really he doesn't have great speed, but his Batting average is just insane. I don't really get. Well, he's such a Royals guy that he's all he's all balls in play. He's all about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say he's all balls. He's all balls. Oh, he's all balls. He could be. He's all grit. In parentheses, in play. His, his nickname's actually Cajones. <laughs> yeah, and he's twenty six. Let's or, make that happen. Well, he's twenty seven <laughs> now, and he's kind of one of those guys that you can maybe say he's only like twenty five because he has base, he had baseball he had an injury so it was like baseball age is twenty five. Yeah, because he missed like two years, right? Yeah, he was the first player to ever have like a like a knee transplant, or something. it was a very weird procedure. But he happened really young when he was like nineteen. Um, yeah, and next season's his age twenty seven season. right? Yeah, he's twenty seven yeah. now, right? Um, so he'll right. go into his age twenty seven season, and he just clobbered, absolutely clobbered Triple A. Um, yeah, and he's had you know several years. I mean, he was a prospect in the White Sox. I think he was like right. their fifth or sixth overall best prospect at one point. So. I don't know. Maybe I like. He's not without pedigree. I, yeah. I'm leery to just like, oh, let's Ooh. hand over. Ha, the Royals should just hand everything over to him. <laughs> like that's not realistic. But I forget. Yeah. he got a whole bunch of comps to some. God, I can't think of who it is. But is it Richie Sexton? <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> just, they're both six and a half foot monsters. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I can't talk about, talk about a guy who freaking exploded and then disappeared. Yeah, uh, back problems. They're rough. A lot of guys like that in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> how that happened. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the, Minda was on uh, a podcast several months ago talking about uh, Omaha players, and Jose Martinez got brought up. Um, and the only the only knock on him, according to her, who sees a lot of him and from other scouting reports, is that he's not really an outfielder. Hmm. Like you can't necessarily field the position, particularly at a major league, league level, to really kind of overcome what might not be. I mean, a WRC plus of around 100 um, still requires at least a certain level of defensive acumen. Um, and everything that I've heard says that he probably fits better as a DH first baseman. Hmm. 
I've seen Can we assume times. that his 434 BABIP is sustainable? Well, people said, people said that about Lorenzo Cain. And look, look what 434? He, no, he didn't do that. He did like 360 or 380, I think it was. And yeah, but he's really fast. That's true. Really fast. Lorenzo Cain is amazing. He's probably... Yeah, he's, I love that man. He's probably my favorite player. Right if now. I could birth a child, I'd birth his. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yep. Good old Zocane. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about trying to maybe move Omar Infante. The Royals are kind of on record. They're kind of can't not all, they're off the record, but kind of through rumors they're on the record saying they want to. Move, well, of course they want to move Omar Infante, but this doesn't seem plausible. I mean, who would take Omar Infante? If you guys could pick one team, you can't say Dave Stewart in Arizona. That's such a cop out answer. Uh, but if there was somebody to take Infante, where? Where could he go? It seems like Atlanta's kind of assembling a motley crew of, you know, misfit toys there. Just guys that can kind of move the game along. So, you know, I kind of threw out some ideas for bad contracts in an article a couple weeks ago. I don't know if Atlanta, they've got a couple really stinkers. I mean, worse than Omar and Fonte, like Nick Swisher and Michael Bourne. uh, So I don't think those would really fit very well. Are they still paying Carlos Quentin? Are the Braves? I don't know yeah. that he was ever on their team. Yeah, he was on the Diamondbacks. Or the White Sox. Yeah, he's a White Sox and a Padre. Okay. But uh, uh, they, they do have Nick Marquez, who isn't on a terrible deal, who seems like kind of a Royals kind of player. Yeah. So, like you know, I, the, the money, he's on a, he's got three years, 33 million left. No, yeah, the uh, Braves released Carlos Quinton, April 14th. Oh. Uh, he could make sense, he could make sense in a deal for Carlos uh, Gonzalez, too, where he's offsetting salary and then they send, like, big prospects to... Yeah, that, that's the problem, is if you send them in a deal like that, you've got to send some good minor leaguers as well. Yeah, yeah no, they well, probably they, have they would to look send Mondesi, Mondesi and Almonte or something like that, but... Yeah, I'm sure the Braves would take him, no questions asked, as long as we included Kyle Zimmer. Like, it would be but, like... A, I mean, the Roy- like, it'd have to be a deal that made a, like made enough sense for the Royals to, like... Right. Like, Carlos Gonzalez would conceivably make that sense if Carlos Gonzalez's contract was getting offset by Infante's money. Well, if they're able to dump Infante for nothing and then use that money to sign a starting pitcher or Alex Gordon, then that makes starts to make a little more sense as well. Yeah, I just don't think anyone's gonna take. No, no, Infante I think it's a, yeah, it's a stretch. For, like it's a big stretch. I don't unless it's like I don't think the Royals have a Puky Tassant to like right. <laughs> that they would be even willing to give up. Yeah, they've got yeah. Miguel Almonte, which would fit that role, the Tucson role. If you're well, I, I, I don't think Almonte is as good as Tucson. Or at and least also, like, the, the, as a you'd, be asking, yeah. you'd be asking the Braves to Seriously? eat more money than, the, than they did in the Tucson. I, I, I think Tucson is viewed as high, having a higher ceiling than Almonte. Much higher. Huh. The, the, deal, the deal that's been talked about, I think, on a couple blogs, and I think MLB Trade Rumors talked about it, was sending Infante to Milwaukee for Matt Garza's bad contract. And he's got he's got more money owed to him, but he's a better, he's a more useful player right now. Yeah, that'd uh, be not paid, awful. But the Royals would probably still have to send the prospects back. Yeah, or eat some of them. They'd have to eat some of the money to make the money work out or somehow because yeah. Infante is kind of worthless right now, and he's only to at least serve as a fifth starter, I think. But so, I it's, it, it would I be hear, difficult. I hear good things about this Jose Martinez character. Maybe they could send him an Infante to Milwaukee. Well, oh, like Clint Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> Clint Robinson is actually a decent player. It's, it's the funniest thing in the world. Oh man! Wasn't sexy. I mean, I didn't think he, he would be awful if he got a chance. Like I thought he could maybe be a one-win player. 
right. Uh, but the the fact that people thought that he was worth something was ludicrous. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Dude had a uh, what was it like a seven eighty five OPS with the Nationals, hundred three hundred and fifty PAs or so. He played a lot more than I ever thought he would for a contender. Mm-hmm. Which uh, also so might explain why Washington faded really hard. Point four wins, one fifteen weighted run created, plus three forty woba. Yeah. Uh, defensive liability. Absolutely. Three hundred and fifty PA. Yeah. Three fifty two. Yeah. Dude might uh, like he might be the hitter that we we thought Kila Kaihui was going to be. <laughs> well, Kila's Kila's probably not past thirty yet. Well, true. He could still, he could still be that hitter. <laughs> but if I remember correctly, he actually uh, got uh, he's he's out of Japan now, isn't he? Like he uh, had like a really bad season in Japan recently. I thought. I don't know. But, I mean, I, Clint Robinson's on the wrong side of 30 now, so, like, Keela's not done just because Clint's in the majors. Uh, Keela is 31. He'll be 32 by the start of next season, so he's entering his age. He would be entering his age 32 season. And spent time in 2015 with the Washington Nationals. And the Marlins. And the Marlins. <laughs> two storied franchises with histories yeah. of great things and player development acquisition man yeah Omar Infante though <laughs> getting back on topic yes um yeah I you're looking I think you I, I don't even know if the Matt Garza deal like I think you're looking at something something more like Matt Kemp for Omar Infante like, Omar Infante plus it, yeah, yeah like but but with the Matt Kemp deal just with how much money that he is still owed like, you probably don't have to give up much of anything in that trade. Well, Garza's, Garza's owed, what, $4 million more than Infanta each year? Yeah, and he and did. And there's a, t- there's a club option that presumably has a buyout, though I'm not able to see it right now. Yeah. Kemp is owed 21 and a half for the next four years. Right. So if you're, t- if you're talking about a, a simple trade of, like, Omar Infante, without really having to include much, maybe yeah, you'd have, have to eat Kemp. Yeah, yeah you'd have, have to, to you'd have to eat a contract like Matt Kemp. Hmm. Like for Matt Garza, you're going to have to probably include something with Infante, but for, I don't know Garza, Garza, Garza's ERA. Not that ERA is a thing we should be looking at seriously, but oh, like five point six three. Mm-hmm. Over he's not a good pitcher. Games. I'm not. I'm not going to try to sell him as a good pitcher. Right. And it, like Omar a, a, a shade under five. Right. But only so two I years think, removed from an even deal, an even trade of those two is actually not that. I don't know. Isn't Infante like projected for replacement level? I mean, he's pretty bad. I think we're under underestimating exactly how bad Omar Infante is. And it's mostly because of his defense, because his defense is so good. Yes. It, it outweighs his awful bat and makes him replacement level. Otherwise, he'd be below. Yeah. His steamer. I think we're also overestimating the fact that teams are looking into projections necessarily. They right. have their own internal ones, I'd imagine. But, yeah. but even yeah, by the traditional Garza, metrics. Garza was like a dumpster fire. Right. And Omar Infante was, was the worst hitter in baseball last year. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I think that I, I still think that even for Kemp, I think we'd have to throw something else in. I don't know. That's my opinion. I think Kemp's still somewhat useful, even though he's owed a lot of money. Uh, Fonte wouldn't be any better than just throwing them a minor leaguer, essentially. Yeah, I'm not. I wasn't suggesting that. Oh yeah, no. Matt Kemp, but you're like you'd have to find a player who's owed the same sort of money that Matt Kemp is owed. If you just want to do an Omar Infante for that, so in our war, Garza was one point seven negative. Oh, so his steamer projection for next year is zero point two, and and all of that value is derived from his defense and base running. Oh, Infante, you're speaking of yes, yes, yes. very bad bat. Yeah, yeah, you know, and coming Infante's, off injury and... Infante's R war last year, not that it really matters, was negative point eight. Oh, so see. Garza was twice as unvaluable <laughs> as uh, yeah, as uh, Infante. Yeah, because so five... I think I, who who knows how much Garza's performance was related to his own, uh, <laughs> like his own problems. His BABIP wasn't crazy high. It was 319. Yeah. That's almost league average. Yeah. Huh. Man. Okay. 5.6 ERA as a regular in this run environment, though, is just... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's especially terrible. I mean, this isn't the mid-90s where you could throw out a 4.5 ERA and be a league average pitcher. Yeah, and Jeremy Guthrie, to compare to Infante, <laughs> Jeremy Guthrie was uh, what, negative 1.8. I was he that I believe. low? Was he really? Negative one point eight. Was he that yeah. low? Huh? Jeez. I didn't realize he. Oh my! I God. had to. I was just doing the number crunching for the Shadow Royals. What about his wins, Josh? Oh, you're talking about on beat on. Oh yeah, because he pitches the score just like Jack Morrison. <laughs> Hall of Famer Jack Morrison, supposedly. Right, and Hall of Famer Jason Kendall. Yep. So, so Guthrie, Guthrie was negative point one worse than Garza, according to our 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 R-R. R-R. Yes. Right. Okay. Because Fangrass had him at negative one. Point oh, nine. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Fangrass had Jeremy Guthrie at negative point nine. Yeah. So that makes up the difference. They were both as bad as each they other. They were equally terrible. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and roughly the same number of innings. Hmm. Yeah, well, so we should just re-sign Jeremy Guthrie, you're saying? Um, no. Honestly, I'd rather take the shot with with Garza and trade yeah. Infante straight up. Definitely. But I don't think either team will do that. So. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we'll talk random rumors here, uh, real quick, um, and you guys can talk about that because I need to step away for two seconds, but, uh, Todd Frazier got rumored, and it's crazy, uh, but Todd Frazier, Cincinnati Reds third baseman, got, I think, a couple more years of control left, had a huge season, uh, this year, really kind of solidified himself as one of the best third basemen in baseball, um, he was rumored that Kansas City was interested in him. I don't know if they mentioned the capacity or what they were talking, but the Royals, the Royals probably shouldn't be pursuing Todd Frazier in most scenarios. Yes? No? What do we think? I, again, I think this is kind of posturing by them, and I think they're kind of floating plan B options in case Gordon doesn't come back. But, yeah, these the, the rumors I've heard just don't really make any kind of sense at all for the Royals. I mean, Frazier's a pretty good hitter. He's a really good hitter, I think, you know, some of that's because he's been hitting in Cincinnati, which is a smaller ballpark in Kansas City. But you're talking about moving a, a third baseman to, to left field, and yeah, it worked for Alex Gordon, but I don't know if that's going to work for a guy on the wrong side of 30. 
who's been playing third base for several years now. Uh, and then you know, the, the, the prospects you'd have to give up just for a team that seems like they're really co- conscious about 2017, 2018, the prospects you'd have to give up would really jeopardize that future. So it just doesn't seem to make any kind of sense for me to me. Uh, and I think they're just kind of either they're exploring all options or they're floating rumors about all options to kind of get Alex to drive his price down because it doesn't really make any sense on the face of it. Yeah, I think the Royals are kind of out of the uh, prospect trading uh, conversation for a while, unless unless it's July twenty fifth and they're you know seventy five and forty five or something. But um, I don't, I don't, I don't really perceive them trading really any of their top fifteen, top twenty prospects right now, especially the top five or the top ten to try and uh, bring in a guy to fill a need when there's comparable options on the uh, free agent market currently that won't cost you prospects in addition to the money uh, that you're going to have to pay them. So I, I, I agree with Max. I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on between contract negotiations and things like that that are kind of fueling some of these things. And the Royals' obvious need for outfield help. Um, So it's an easy sort of article to write that the Royals are talking to everybody about everything when, you know, they have a position of need that's so obvious. Yeah. Okay. The only way they start trading off prospects is if they sign sign Hosmer or Moustakis like if they sign one of those guys especially Hosmer and Moustakis uh, to an extension I really think that's the only way they start, they start doing that and obviously both of Boris clients and neither are going to sign an extension so it's all that's, that's all moot likely mm-hmm. yeah. you know what I'm secretly hoping for is that in 2017 I, I just want to see what all these guys are worth trade value wise so I hope I just I don't hope it but it, I kind of secretly want to see, like, man, what if the Royals are really bad in 2017? They don't sign anybody to extension. Like, what could we get for these guys? But, I don't know. That's just my dream. Sorry to I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're worth next winter. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. So. Do you think you think if the Royals finish, I don't know, 75, they win 75 games this year or something, do you think that triggers a sell-off, or do you think we still, Dayton would go for one more year in 2017? Um, he'll one more, one more year. I, think I don't think there's any way they only win 75 games. Well, yeah, right. But like, it would require such it would require like 2014 Rangers, like that sort of injury. Yeah, like, a, like just like a sheer comedy of errors. Yeah, no, they'd have to lose like 2,000 games to the DL. <laughs> and they've been they've been a bad team before, and they haven't really sold off a lot of guys in the past. So I don't. It didn't seem to be his kind of his mo. I think he likes stability and continuity, and and you know, look, you know, when you look at the AJ Preller experience so far, I mean, there's I think there's something to be said for not, and the Billy Bean. I mean, the Billy Bean the last couple of years too. I think there's something to be said for kind of not overhauling the roster. Uh, Is anybody well? Lunau's Lunau's the direct contradiction to that. That's true. Yeah, the the antithesis, you might say. But he is, I mean, he's at least kept it a little more stable, I think, recently. I, you know, I don't know. We'll see what he does in the future, but I don't I don't see Dayton having that kind of sell-off, especially when they, yeah. they're they coming off. I mean, a lot of contenders can have bad years and then come right back. Right. I don't well, see Dayton. Like yeah. the Rangers this year. Yeah. Right. 
and that's why I'm I'm not particularly interested in seeing the Royals trade players this offseason, even though some of them might potentially be at peak value right now. Like they still have them all all around. Well, they still have them all around, you know, for at least two more years. So give it twelve months and see how twenty sixteen goes. But if yeah. twenty like the full the amount of value that you get for a player under a full season can vastly exceed what you get for three months at the trade deadline. However, some teams are also willing, you know, to overpay at the trade deadline if they think that it's going to push them into that next, you know, tier of contention. So, I don't know. I, I, I think the like, I've been talking about this for a lot lately, and I think the Royals really only have one year of go-for-it kind of contending left with this group of players. Because barring, like, barring Hosmer becoming like the MVP <clears throat> candidate everyone thought he would be. Right. Barring Hosmer you know, hitting 330, 450. Becoming like peak peak Pujols. Yeah. Peak Adrian Gonzalez. Right. You know, like double Casey Koshman. Like two of him smashed together. F- like five oh. of him. That's like yeah. 800 pounds, Josh. <laughs> Well, now it is. Yeah. So, um, so here's here we'll play a quick game of this. Um, let's say the Royals are terrible this year in 2016. Uh, just terrible at the deadline. Terrible, like, like what's terrible? Like, um, they are fourth place in the Central. Yeah, I mean, well behind the Central. They're like, in fourth like place. Fifteen games out. Fifteen games out. I, okay. Just an irrevocable so season. The Indians actually put their shit together. Yeah, an irrevocable. And finally, do something with that fucking rotation that is awesome. God. Yeah, I'm going to give you a player. We'll assume these players are having just average seasons, good seasons. We'll just say they're having good seasons. Whatever you want to take that to be. How many top prospects, top 100 prospects, do you think this guy brings out? We'll start with Eric Hosmer. They trade him at the deadline. How many top 100 prospects do you think he gets? Three. Yeah, I was going to say two, but with probably two more outside the top 100. So three. I think they. I think he's overvalued. I think his defense is overvalued by just about everybody. Okay. I okay. think you're looking at three, three about, top hundreds and a and a lottery ticket. Okay. Uh, Mike Mustakas. Mm. I think one. One and two decent, like, you know. One and a couple of Miguel Almontes. Hmm. Yeah. Who, who is a top 100 kind of prospect, though, on his own form, at least kind of recently, though? But I get what you're saying. Yeah, I think that his tracker is well, yeah, consistent, though. I don't, right. You know, he's, he was a year away year away from being kind of shipped yeah, out of town. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I, okay. Maybe a top 100 guy, but. I mean, a decent season for Mike Moustakis is basically an average season. Yeah. Okay. But um, that still has a lot of value. Like, true. I, I think it's an easy one. Right. And probably probably another, like, three prospects in total, one low ceiling but close to the majors, and one lottery ticket with a higher ceiling. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll see Escobar. Uh, He's under club control through 2017, right? Yeah. I say yeah. zero. I, I agree with that. One no, from, I don't think so. I think he brings at least one. One from the probably... Because it's defense up the middle. It's the, like... It's it's pretty much a guaranteed like. I would say yeah, it's it's just we're looking at Sean Hunter in such low 
I mean, what did what did the Braves get for Simmons? They got they got one kind of top one hundred guy and yeah. one Newcomb, one but, not really that good pitching prospect. Yeah, but Simmons is a four win player. Right. I, yeah. I'm saying is, I think Escobar probably gets one, but outside of like the top fifty. Yeah, so I don't think there's any way if no. Simmons only gets no, one. No, no. Yeah, Escobar doesn't get a top fifty, but he gets I think he doesn't get top one hundred. But that's, I don't yeah. think it's I don't even think it's that. I mean, he, he's. He's not nearly the defender that Simmons is, and but his cost is His cost is like set. Yeah, you know, his his highest year is what seven. But that's kind of roughly that's what less Simmons, than a win. But that's roughly what Simmons has as well. I mean, I don't think he signed to a ludicrous deal either. Yeah, it's pretty reasonable. And it's, it's with the you know. It's, and you're talking about Escobar for a season and a half. Yeah, it was yeah. five years of Simmons. Okay. So yeah. Um, I'd say he probably gets one, but probably from like the seventy-five to ninety-five range. Okay. How about Wade Davis? Now remember, two. clubs pay a lot more at the deadline. Two, closer, at least, at least two. Yeah. Two plus with one being from probably the twenty to forty. Yeah. Twenty-five. No, I, I, Wade Davis is. I think he's probably the highest valued pitcher in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at Craig Kimbrough and then add. Like, that's probably yeah. where it's at. How many uh, top cheaper. 100 guys were in the Kimberly deal? I think it was two. Margot and... Uh, uh, and Margot is high, high ceiling. Yeah, Margot is like a top 20 prospect, I think. Yeah. Reason. And then uh, Javier Guerra was... Uh, he's a top 100-ish, I think, for the most part. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I think they... I, if he hasn't this year, he has been before. Yeah, so... Um, and then, how about Lorenzo Cain? Oh, Jesus. I'm not trading Lorenzo Cain. You can you can suck it. I mean, he gets at least three. There's it's he's way too valuable. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean he's the Royals' most valuable player. Like he's he's coming off like a you know six win season. Right. He put up. The he's first. he's at least three. He's he's a five prospect, five or five player comeback with like one or two being major league ready. And three of the five being top hundred players. A six win, like a six, uh, even if his, even if you put his true talent level at say four and four. a half, or four. I think you're, four. Ta- you're talking about a season and a half of a of a four win player who is making arbitration money. Yeah, no, he'd bring insane. He'd he'd bring an insane return, like almost not maybe maybe Zach Greinke level, because hmm. he's a arb eligible. Um, when is Next year, 2017 is his last year of club control. Yeah. Yeah, 2017 free agent in 2018. Okay. Yeah. Didn't he start arbitration, though, this year? Because baseball no. reference shows that, yes, he's at arbitration this year. So he, so he's super two, but he's not at minimum. Or no, no, he's got three years of arbitration, 2015, 16, 17. 15, 16, set. Yeah, okay, you're right. I thought he was super two. Okay. Uh, but still, he should. Because he got his late start, he shouldn't be. Yeah. He's probably not going to be up making fifteen million a year. Okay. Um, and how about uh, Jordano Ventura as the final one? Oh no no no, we'll do another one. But Ventura. Um, all the I think he brings three too, just because of the years of yeah. control. I think probably two, two or three. And the ce- and the ce- per- likes the ceiling is so high. Yeah, I guess, and he does have that long contract. You're right. Huh. Yeah, he's under control through 2019. Yeah. 2020. Oh yeah, twenty twenty with yeah, uh, club option on twenty twenty. options, yeah. Okay, and then like, uh, how about he has an absurd amount of control, and his contract is ridiculously reasonable considering 
what his upside is. Like, he probably brings any back... team. Any team acquiring him is going to think that they could, they can harness his potential. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think he probably brings back something similar to what Kane would get, but maybe slightly less than. Well, I mean, if Jose Fernandez, and I think that, no, I don't think that. We know that Jose Fernandez is better than Jordano Ventura, but Fernandez mm-hmm. has a lower team control for probably more expensive. But Fernandez is supposed to bring back, I mean, the Dodgers, he would have gotten, you know, Julio Urias and Jose De Leon, which are basically two top 20 yeah. prospects. Urias is arguably the best pitching prospect in baseball. So, I would argue for that, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, that, I think that. It's him or Giolito. Yeah, I think that if uh, whoa whoa hold on, you say Zimmer and Giolito? You didn't say Zimmer. Never mind. Um, no, no, Urias, Urias. Yeah. Okay, I thought you said Zimmer and Giolito. I was like, wait, no, or no, Kyle Zimmer. No. Uh, anyways, no, I said it's him. Oh, okay, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think you could reason that if you sent Ventura to the Dodgers, I think you could ask for. I don't think you could ask for Urias, in my opinion, but I think you could ask for DeLeon, um, and then I don't know, someone, Jack Peterson would be really swell to get from them. Uh, so, and then how about finally Sal Perez? Mm, I honestly cheap. bet you get four. Whoa. You think four top 100? Yeah. No. Really? I think he's he's so cheap. He's so cheap, but man. No, I, I, I just, I think he's got the highest trade value of any of them. That's the thing, is I think that there's probably a team that's willing to give you three or four but there are also teams that probably look at him and only value him for maybe two. I, I think there are enough teams that would give four. I, I honestly, like, I, I don't value him that highly, but I think there are teams that would do so. Yeah. Really? I think he's got the, he's, because of his contract, he's got the highest trade value of anyone. It's huh. not close. So, let's see, who needs a catcher? You, th- so- you think his trade value is higher than Kane or Ventura? Yes. Club control. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he's under control t- through twenty twenty, isn't he? Yeah, very cheap. Twenty nineteen. Yeah, six million bucks in twenty nineteen. That's the most he'll make. There'll probably be some incentive. You know, there's probably something on there that he might make it. Yeah, well, it gets bumped up because of all of his finishes and Gold Glove and All Star yeah. game. But I mean, arguably, he's probably going to make mm-hmm. under ten million. You know? uh, his uh, incentives for Gold Gloves and All Stars it's fifty thousand dollars. Oh wow. Well, no, that it's it's more than that. He got that's, a salary escalator too, year, but it bumps up subsequent years. Right, gotcha. Yeah, uh, so he, gets, he gets a bonus each year, but it also bumps up the the subsequent years by X amount. Gotcha. Spotrack has him at five point one, six point two, and then six. Because I got I got screwed in the in the sim this year. I thought he was only going to be X amount, and he was like considerably more because of because of uh, escalators. Oh, gotcha. Right. So. If the Rangers came calling and they said, we'll give you, for, for, for uh, Perez, we'll give you Dylan Tate, their recent number one pick, um, Luis Ortiz, their number one pick from two years ago, and Nomar Mazzara, would you take that? Yes. Right yes. In a heartbeat. Mazzara? Yes. Yes, because yes. Mazzara is good. But what if they said Lou Brinson? I don't know if you guys know Lou Brinson. Oh, Brinson too. Brinson, Brinson or Mazzara. does really? not matter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What about Joey Gallo straight up for Perez? Uh, I'd have to get somebody else. Yeah. Hmm. I love Gallo, but there's so much swing and miss. Yeah. It's, uh, there's, it's terrifying. There's, there's a lot of risk there. Okay. 
Especially playing the outfield, which I don't think is his best position. No, he's got but a I mean arm. he could he would inherit third eventually. Yeah, his his arm is too dang good to not have him play at third base. Right. Um, or you know, shortstop. Or right. Not. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Well that was a fun enough exercise. I just was curious. Um Didn't. one other thing we'll touch upon our final item of the night. Um so he struck out that much. Holy lord. Yeah, yeah, he struck out and his he, problem It's like hundred and fourteen percent, right? Across Hundred and fourteen percent strikeout rate across across the minors and in the majors. He struck out three hundred times last year. Am I reading that correctly? Uh, let's see. Yeah, strikeouts. No, sorry, I was including the total. And yeah, no, it was one hundred and ninety-six. Yeah, fifty-seven plus. Yeah, okay, because three hundred was. Yeah, no, that would have made Matt cry. Mark Reynolds it's, cry. It's one hundred and ninety-six strikeouts in one hundred and twenty-three games. Uh, let's see. So but they were long games. <laughs> so that's 497 PAs. Um, yeah. So what was it, 168? 196. 196 divided by 497. Uh, yeah, it's a 40% strikeout rate. So he strikes so, yeah. out a lot. So, yeah, I'd probably want another guy in return. Okay. Even though Gallo's arguably... So would you do Mazzara for Perez straight up? Yes. But... I think arguably, in the ranking show as well, that Gallo is better than Mazzara. But it's just the risk you think. Yeah, I think the risk is so high on yeah. on Gallo. I, okay. Mazzara, Mazzara has, you know, eighty grade power also. Yeah. Right. No. There, there are you know, I guess degrees of eighty grade power, and Gallo has way higher. But Mazzara, the yeah, I think the floor is significantly higher. Yeah, and he's an outfielder, and he's got a better arm, better. Yeah, Mazzara is also two years younger. Yeah, I like Mazzara a lot. I'm with you guys. I, just, I would, I would, I would do that in a heartbeat. Perez for Mazzara, to be honest with you. That's yeah. Just okay. sign Brian Pena up, or, Brian <sighs> or whatever. I don't know. Oh my God, Brian Pena! I need to write an article about that. I forgot. Bringing back Brian Pena. That's uh, that's. Oh, step, I mean the the character. That's step two in the bring in back the, another World Series. Yeah, that's step two in the uh, 2009 reunion of Soria. Oh yeah, Brian Pena. Uh, we just need to figure out if David DeJesus is willing to be a fifth outfielder who doesn't play ever. I think he'd take a paycheck, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Who was the racist catcher? Who was the guy that made the... Humberto Quintero. Yeah, okay. Bring him back, too. I was just trying to think of that. Um, so, final rumor. Let's uh, We can reel it in here with this last one. So, Raid Mi- Wade Miley went to the Mariners, yes, uh, for basically Carson Smith. Um, the Red Sox... Asked the Royals, they talked about Wade Miley, who, by the way, projects for a, basically a two-win season next year. Has pitched 200 innings basically for the past four years, so um, there's something to be said about consistency. Um, they wanted Herrera for Miley straight up. Uh, we we the Royals countered with Hochiver. <laughs> Thoughts? Seems like I would do Hochiver for Miley, in my opinion. Right, but I wouldn't do Herrera for Miley. Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big Miley fan. Didn't Miley beat the shit out of a Gatorade cooler? Hasn't every baseball player done that? But, like, how many Gatorade coolers can the Royals buy? That's true. you got to add that to the cost of his... Yeah, there's a there's definitely a, there's an overhead with Miley that, uh, that isn't there with other players. Okay. Everything about Miley's profile leads me to believe that he will always have an ERA that is higher than his fifth. 
most years. Yeah. He might he might get a thing every once in a while that like his ERA might be a touch under. Like I think it was in 2013. Um but everything about his profile suggests that he's a guy whose ERA is always going to be higher than what Fangraphs tells you he probably should be. Hmm. So Okay. I I I, I usually I, I like his his raw nine more as as a better indicator of his uh, value, and I don't think it's worth Kelvin Herrera. He was just worth two and a half wins last year, which was exactly what Jordana Ventura. I know there's the upside, but that's basically what Ventura was worth last year. Two and a half F win, F four though. Yes, yes, that's right. right. Uh, his ERA was four and a half basically. Hmm. Yeah. I think I would no, maybe not Herrera, but I would ask for somebody else. But I, I could part with Miley for Herrera if it was Miley plus um, I don't know, random you know the fifth best pro, fifth or sixth best prospect. No, if they had taken Hochaver, that would have been fine. I wouldn't have yeah. had any complaints. But yeah, because Hochaver's gone after this year, right? He only has. There's a, a t- isn't there a team option? The course there is. It's probably yeah, a seven million dollar club option. Well, and I mean, Carson Smith was a two win reliever. Last year, yeah, but and that was a. St- we should qualify by, that by, by saying it's a really stupid trade. Uh, but yeah, huh? Okay. So uh, I mean, it's yeah, it's it was a bad trade for Seattle, I think, but because I mean, with the way that relievers are typically undervalued, yeah, by the uh, wins above replacement, that he's not th- Ken Giles' bad trade. No, no, it's probably not that. Well, it's definitely not Ken Giles' bad. But, I mean, they essentially traded value in their bullpen for value in the starting rotation. And I don't know their team well enough. I mean, I don't know their team well enough to know if they have surplus value in their bullpen where they can just trade a guy who strikes out almost 12 batters per nine innings. Who, the batters? No, they don't. So... Carson Smith was their best reliever. I well, mean, Wilhelmson, is he still? Uh, let's take a look. So, let's see. This of Jeff Nelson. This is really compelling podcast, by the way. Yeah. Now that we're looking up stats. For other teams. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, man, that Mariners bullpen. Yeah, so. The Franklin Gutierrez signing, the contract that they re-signed him to is... Uh, Ridiculous, but awesome for them. Yes, yeah, they signed Joaquin Benoit, so maybe they thought signing Benoit means they can trade Smith. I don't know, um, but let's not talk about the manners. This sure. is like this is like in the newsroom where they start doing the broadcast in Japanese, and the guy goes, "And now we're doing the broadcast in Japanese." I don't right. know if you guys watched that, but anyways, I, I watched it. Um, it's one of my favorite moments of TV. So, okay, um, that's it. Right, guys, I think we've done it. We're not going to talk about Jason Kendall? No. Being, being a Hall of Famer? No. I had very compelling... A Hall of Fame dickhead? No, you don't. <laughs> no, but I just really wanted to upset you for a few minutes. But a Hall of Fame dickhead, right? That's what we're talking about? Well, yeah. Because he is. I mean, we all need to rewind ourselves. I can just imagine Sean's head exploding when that article was posted to Twitter. It just... Early. Like, he didn't even have a peak. Like, some, some guys can get in by having, like, high peaks. He didn't have a high peak. He, yeah. 
four four point eight wins. So a five win season was his peak, which is uh, good. Very about five point eight, five point eight FR and ninety eight. Yeah. Yep. See. So he's a he's a he's a turd. He's a turd. So, so if Lorenzo Cain lingers around for another decade, then he's probably okay. Up. So from ninety seven to two thousand four. 4.5, which was really bad. Yeah. 2.5, and then 4.2, 4.5. Yeah. So, good little stretch, but not Hall of Fame. I mean, let's be... I, I'm a I'm a fan of big Hall of Fame. I don't think it should be an exclusive club. If you've earned it, you've earned it. But this guy... No, there's no way. What's his career total war, though? 39. 39.8. Yeah. So F4. Un- yeah, which is not... Considering how long he played, that's... Actually, probably. That's not. I mean, it's not that long. Let's he really see. just played from '96 to 2010. Let me. Let's yeah. All right. With let's with start. one year largely lost to injury. Half of the year was half of 1998, which he was. For some reason I thought. Or 99, he was worth 3.9 wins in 78 games. Yeah, he and Joe. Don't, Nob- don't let his time in Kansas City color your opinion of him. And he was really fucking good with the Pirates. So yeah, he was a good player for a long uh, time. He like and Chuck really Knobloch have similar, have equivalent FWARs. He and Chuck Knobloch, thirty nine point eight. So maybe we need to talk about Knobloch. How many games no. for Knobloch? Uh, seven thousand three eighty seven. Wait, Did you no. say seven thousand? No, no, no. Games. I'm sorry, that's PAs. Uh, sixteen thirty two. Knobloch was a guy that for a couple of years seemed like he was kind of on that track, and then he just fell off a cliff. I mean, he stopped. Was he couldn't mental throw the ball yeah, right. and then just stop hitting too. Reggie Sanders has and, as much as he does. Sanders was good. Miguel Tejada does. That's interesting. <laughs> Miguel Tejada is actually like he won an MVP. Yeah, yeah. And Miguel Tejada for the Hall are very good. Let's just say this: Mike Trout has as much is one win away from Jason Kindle's career FR, and Mike Trout is twenty-four. So. Yeah, and Mike, Mike Trout is also like the best player, right? Post A Rod. Gary Gaetti has as much as he does. I'm trying to just really drive this point. I'm out. waiting. I'm waiting for you to not name a Hall of Famer. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. That's a good one. Uh, Jesse Barfield has as much as he does. Oh yeah, Hall of Famer, absolutely. That name, the name alone gets you in the Hall. Some oh, yeah. player named Harlan Clift. Never heard of him, but he has as much. I don't He's remember Montgomery Clift's brother. <laughs> I don't know what Jeff Nelson's career war is, but his mustache gets him in the Hall of Fame for me. Hey, so here's another one more game. Before do, nobody looked this up, guess what? Guess what stretch of years this player? I haven't even looked at it myself. Harland Cliff, Harland Cliff. What stretch of years did he play from? Um, Harland Cliff, six to, 50, to two, 1915. You think? Okay, so turn of the century. I would guess 1890, or no, no, 1884 to 1902. I will say 1970 to 1986. I'm going to guess, I'm going to go with Max, like turn of the century kind of guy. Uh, let's see. 1934 to 1945 for the Browns. What the shit? So, <laughs> he, he was a six-win player at one point. Well, I mean, oil came in the 70s. Like, yeah. Okay. Just the Crazy point. names have been around baseball forever. Yeah. Harland Clift, everybody. If you thought you were going to tune in to hear about Royal stuff and instead you tuned in and heard about Harland Clift. And uh, taxes. And taxes. Your, and the Mariners. Your Both. night has been made. Your day has been made. Um, yeah. Do we want to talk about more random shit? Do we want to talk about the Canon documentary or the... No. But 
Let me give you one more guy because this name is awesome. This guy's name has his, has basically as much career FR as Kindle. He played. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you what team he played for. Um, his name is Pi Trainer. Oh yeah, duh. Yeah, duh. He played for the Cubs. Yeah. Pi Trainer. Yeah. No, he did not. He's a, yes, he's he an he he's not he's in Hall of Fame. But he's no, not Pi Trainer. Pi Trainer. Yeah, he was uh, what a third baseman, wasn't he? Oh, I thought he said Felix Pa. That's no. totally different. He was a third baseman. He. He played. Uh, he played for the same team as as Jason. Oh, Kendall. he played for the Pirates. Yeah, right. played for the Pirates. What? what, uh, what year? Like, I was. He was I a already looked it up. I'm cheating. Yeah. Ah. He played in the twenties. Wasn't he? Wasn't, wasn't he in the twenties and tens yeah. or something? Twenties to the forties. Twenties and thirties. Thirties, yeah, thirties. Anyway, so. Pie Trainer is a Hall of Famer, though. Pie Trainer. Is yeah, he, I'm pretty sure he's a Hall of Famer. Let's, Oh yeah. Yeah, it's inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1948. Really? Yeah. He is. Yep. Like he's been, you know how baseball, like video games, have that classic roster. Right of Framingham. Yeah. Pie Trainer has always been a figurehead in the classic rosters on MVP baseball for. 320 yeah. career batting average, 362 on base, huh. 435 slug. Ooh, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Good, good, good player. Good player. Had uh, had some not good years at the end of his career. All right, now I'm just looking for cool names like Red Shodenist and uh, a Red Shandeist. Well, Red Shandeist. Yeah. But he's a Hall of Famer too. Damn. Oh, you're talking you about? You need to brush up on your major league history. I know. What about Kurt Schoenweiss? Wasn't he a, a reliever for the White Sox? I love They're, Kurt. What is that man wearing? Sorry, Scott Schoenweiss. That that was his yeah. Name. Scott Schoenweiss was much more recent. Uh, Red Shane Dynst was. Uh, How do you he say his was last name? Inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1989. Shane Dynst. Yeah, he managed the Cardinals run for Tony Larusa. Really, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I believe so. How about for like how an about, interim basis? How about Clyde Millen? What year did Clyde Millen play in? Clyde Millen. I'm going to assume that he retired in 1956. Any other? Uh, uh, retired in '37. Max Clyde Millen. Sounds like a whoa. World I was World War II, off. World War II era. 1907 to 1922. Clyde Millen. So there you go. Okay. Not a Hall of Famer. No. Man, there's some great names. My favorite name of all time is this player named Dad Johnson. <laughs> uh, that's such a great name, Dad Johnson. I, I Dad is such a cool name. I might. That should be Chris Johnson. Young's nickname, Dad. Dad. Dad Young. But his his uh, dad Johnson's given name was Grant, I think. I don't know, but Tip O'Neill is a cool name. I just saw Tip O'Neill. Well, Tip O'Neill was the wasn't he the Speaker of the House? I don't think it's the same guy. Though. <laughs> I don't think it's this. You're right. He dabbled. He dabbled in uh, you know a little bit of politics when he wasn't doing the you know the majority whip. He was uh, the outfielder for the Browns, the Gotham's, the New York Gotham's at one point. There, there are six. There are six yeah. players named Dad. I mean, major, major league history. Yeah, none of them actually. The last named one appearing Dad. in 1902. Right. All both Tip O'Neill spelled their name the same way. Yeah. One died in 1915, and one was the Speaker of the House under, or I, I believe, he was Speaker of the House uh, during Reagan. Yeah, Tip Reagan's O'Neill, term. you got it. He was. Uh, well, anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, yep. He's a masshole. Yep. Jim Wright seceded him. Anyways. Uh, there's another player named Dummy Hoy. Dummy Hoy. That's D-U- a good name. MMY. Dummy Hoy played for the uh, the Bisons. In that the was Royals. actually a, Dummy. Was I, I bet Dummy short for Dumbros. 
Let's see. Let's pull what him. about uh, Mordecai Three Finger Brown? <laughs> oh, he's my fave. I oh. love Three Finger Brown. So Dummy was a nickname. His name is yeah. William. Slur. It's actually a slur, isn't it? Yeah, it might have been. pass muster these days. Huh. Dummy Hoy. I think it was to William apply Hoy. to your deaf. Nickname you... Dummy. He was a... Oh, Jesus. Yeah. He was deaf. He couldn't speak. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than it, it says rather than someone who is stupid, it's someone who cannot speak. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Baseball's come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man, it's weird that I remember Coach Scott Schoenweiss as a reliever for the White Sox when he only played for them for a season and a half and was terrible. He was mostly an angel, right? Yeah. Oh, this guy. He was on the. He was on their World Series team actually. Yeah. Okay. Ginger Beaumont. When did Ginger Beaumont play? <laughs> uh, Ginger Beaumont was on the on the Gilligan's Island team, right? Yes. He played for a team called the Doves. He played for the Boston Doves back in the 1800s. So, Ginger Beaumont. So, in case you guys, listeners, you, you guys have already, nobody's even listening at this point. I don't know why I'm talking about that. Anyway. Well, what about Adam Pettijohn? I don't know that name. Adam Pettijohn. How about Topsy Hartzell? Played for the Orphans. Played for the Chicago Orphans. Adam Pettyjohn played in this century. Yeah. 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 No, I like, did, not I in the last hundred years, but all. literally this century. Right. He played for the Reds. He, he played yeah. in 2001 and then in 2008. Right. How about Nate Adcock? Oh. Everyone <laughs> loves Adcock. What about Ryan Buckvich? Oh, he was a... He was a Can we forget? 2000s, right? Yeah. He was, what, drafted in 98 or so? Yeah, along with Jeff Austin. He was going to be the uh, next wave of great Royals pitchers. The best, probably the best draft class the Royals have ever had. 2000. 2000? Yeah. What was Colt Griffin's draft class? Uh, That was 01, wasn't it? He was the man. I love Colt Griffin. I love Justin Huber, too, but... Hmm. Uh, yeah, that didn't work Lee, out. Lee Sainz. Uh, that guy was going to be great. What was his name? Louis Sainz, like S-A-E-N with the accent mark over it, Z. Hmm. I can't believe I didn't know that other Hall Red Shine, what's his name? Shane uh, Shane Deanst, I think. (laughs) I don't know how I didn't know that one. Shane Deanst. And I apparently missed somebody else, too. Pie Trainer. Who? Pie Trainer's in the Hall. Pie Trainer, such a cool name. Right. But Pee Wee Reese is also in the Hall, and he's terrible. I'd rather it be Cake. I like Cake Trainer a little more than Pie Trainer. Um, yeah, Harris? I think yeah. No cookies. Max, are you still here? Cookie trainer in spirit. Yeah, <laughs> he nodded off. Well, you know what? Max is writing five pieces right now. Right. You know, <laughs> you know Matt Lamar. Well, and Josh, you did this too. Matt Lamar was playing video games on one of the other podcasts the other day. So, Josh, you were playing a video game too. Let's have full attention here. Guys. Uh, Ward was not me. Yeah, Ward, not not Duke. Ward. I was playing a video game. At the start, but I stopped. You ruined that podcast, Ward. Yeah. This guy's what? name is Tim Spooniebarger? That's awesome. Oh, man. I oh, yeah. Spooniebarger? He was in the Piazza trade, I want to say. Oh. Uh, How do you guys know he this? Or no, he was, uh, he was in a big he trade. He played for the for Braves, someone. right? Braves and Marlins. Maybe the Mike Hampton? No, no, no not Mike Hampton. They a trade for someone I'm big. Sheffield, looking it maybe? up right now. How about, how about John Dickshot? He was in the Hampton deal. Hampton. John Dickshot was? Johnny Dixon. No, no, Spoonie Barger was. Oh. And I think it might have been Spoonie Barger. Oh, his name that. was Johnny Ugly Dickshot. Not, seriously. 
That's up there with uh, Tony Suck as the best uh, baseball names in the uh, baseball. Johnny league. Ugly Dickshot. That was the guy's name. Johnny Ugly Dickshot. Yeah. Okay. He's, awesome. He's got everything over Wes Obermuller. Johnny Dickshot's real. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Johnny Ugly Dickshot. Okay. Final one. Then we're really going to finish this here. Uh, Ebenezer Beaton. What year did Ebenezer Beaton debut in? Ebenezer. Uh, Twenty fourteen. Okay. Dude, he's a rookie. Yeah, he's a rookie with the Phillies last year, right? Ebenezer Beaton. 1884. Right. It's like 1880. It's 1887. You, I don't know why you guys are thinking. Anyways. Okay. Well, I, wait, I was joking. Did you okay. guys watch the UFC fight last night? Of course uh, not. No. You really should have. Is Ebenezer beat? Was Johnny Ugly Dick shot there? Conor McGregor knocked out a guy who hadn't lost in 10 years. Oh. Huh. Well. It was crazy. On in, uh, 13 seconds into the fight. And now we're doing the podcast in Japanese. <laughs> this is that was a, by the way, West Wing is about to go off. Uh, no. Christmas Day. No. 25th, oh. yeah. I'm, I'm yep. partway through season four, and my wife just alerted me to oh, this. What am, I don't know what I'm going to do. Shit. If they got rid of that, then, like, Always Sunny in the Office. Oh, man. I just sold all the DVDs to move to when we moved to California. Shit. So I am down right. all the DVDs and am now like trying to burn through because season four is the only season I didn't see all of. Really? So now I'm watching that. What happened? Uh, well, four? I started from the beginning a few weeks ago, but is that what well, let's be honest. The first six seasons are the ones that are good. They're all oh good. no, I think six and seven are awesome. Yeah, Five they're all awesome. starts to get started started to get bad and I stopped watching. Hmm. I the last, the last season's fun. I think. I think yeah. once they once they get Santos and uh, that's the Vinic. best season. That's my favorite season. I love because I I'm a big lineman. You, you guys like the Santos Vinick campaign season? Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think, I think it was lot. awesome. And no, you're crazy. No, okay. it's re- it gets really good. I promise. You've got to like Lyman. If you're not a Lyman, a lemon Lyman, love you, Lyman. Yeah, I, I do love Lyman. That's why I love season two and four. Oh, four is so good with two twenty hours. Four. Are are oh. probably my favorite seasons. Yeah, it's twenty I'm hours in America. Is the... Zoe just got rescued. That's where I am right now. Right. So you're just at the beginning of season. Just four. into five. Yeah, that's the so, end. Of, yeah, because Bartlett turns over his. Uh, he evokes the twenty fifth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's just... a really rough year where John Wells takes over after Soren <laughs> got booted. Is it Glenn Allen? Glenn Allen Walken is yeah. that his name? He's got yeah. Bass the dog. Yeah. Named after Glenn Allen Hill, I presume. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, Glenn Allen Hill was a monster. Hey, Sean, what year did Glenn Allen Hill play? Uh, Glenn Allen Hill. He played Depression in, era? He played in the 60s. No. Damn it. Wait, he, pl- he, was, he played with hard-hitting Mark Witt. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't help me. Glenn Allen, Glenn Allen Hill was a, uh, a late 90s... Renaissance. No, man. no, he was he was late. Well, late eighties, early nineties Cardinal too. Right, but he he hit probably the most famous home run at uh, Wrigley Field. Glenn Allen Hill. Oh yeah, he hit the one that was just a, ma- a massive homer, right over on left top field. of the building. On it, top of the building. Right. Off of the rooftop across the street. Yeah, eighty nine to two thousand one. Huh. Glenn Allen Hill. I've yeah. seen that one. But I like Glen Gary, Glenn Ross a little more than Glen Allen Hill. Yeah, that's probably probably uh, for the best. But my favorite West Wing character is uh, definitely Johnny Ugly Dickshot. Uh, Big <laughs> yeah, they, he was my favorite West Wing character too. Man, when he takes over as VP, it's just it's thrilling stuff. So yeah, so yeah, so listeners, we're gonna do a podcast apparently about pop culture. So stay tuned for that one. That isn't this one. 
But you'd be hard-pressed to realize that. As you can tell, we have a lot to talk about, uh, random stuff, uh, but... I can't guarantee this is the final mention of Johnny Ugly Dick Shot in our podcast, but... I, we should rename it Johnny Ugly Dick Shot. <laughs> right. So, uh, by the way, th- we were going to talk about it, but now we're not. Uh, we just came up on the one-year anniversary of the Will Myers trade. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Royal still won it. Okay, good. I think we've done it, guys. Um, Josh Dugan, thank you for joining me. Uh, Josh, you can find him at Old Man Dugan on Twitter. Yeah. Um, thanks, Josh. Dugan. Thank you. Uh, Max, as always, thanks. Hope we didn't bore you to sleep. Um, Max is the old man here. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and I'm, I'm the one with the one-year-old child, so I'm, I'm running on empty. So Yeah, so... That's, that accounts for the silence. So Max Reaper, uh, R-I-E-P-E-R. Uh, thank you, Max. And then um, J.K. Ward, Joshua K. Ward, our uh, master's uh, program guy. I, that's a terrible segue. Anyway, so Josh Ward... <laughs> Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Thank you. And you can follow him on J underscore K Ward on Twitter. I'm Sean, Sean Newkirk, uh, Sean Core on Twitter. Um, stay, enjoy Raw's review. Be sure to keep reading. Uh, we'll have plenty more. We'll podcast again. I imagine we'll have a pop culture podcast coming here soon as well. Uh, as always, have many, many uh, good days. And uh, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you guys soon. Three minutes, please.